Jenny Carlson. I'm Barry Trammell. Welcome to the Jenny and Barry Show. Well, as we sit here on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, the Thunder is in second place in the Western Conference, only half a game back of first place. But for a time over the weekend, OKC was tied for the top spot, tied for the top spot in the Western Conference. All this while the Thunder is in the midst of a tough January. So will OKC maintain this lofty perch? We'll talk about all that and much more. But before we get to that, we want to say thanks to these sponsors for supporting the Jenny and Barry Show. The Oklahoma Ford Dealers Association, Mid First Bank, Next Gen Roofing, Two Fellows Movers, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, 988, Oklahoma's Mental Health Lifeline. Drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford Dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. And let's face it, a box of pizza and a case of beer just don't work like they used to. Nobody wants to help you move. But we know two fellas that absolutely love moving. At Two Fellas Moving Company, we offer free, no-strings quotes for your move. With more than 20 years experience, we've pretty much moved it all. Our services don't end up moving either. Need to do some remodeling or spring cleaning? We have you covered with dumpster rentals and junk haul services. Remember, quotes are free and there are no strings attached. If you're moving in Oklahoma, make sure to call the fellas. Visit twofellas.com for your free quote today. All right, Barry, Thunder currently second in the West, tied for first over the weekend. Have we gotten to the point in this season where OKC not getting to host in the first round of the playoffs might just be a bigger surprise than if it did? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I think if you, uh, of course, here in Oklahoma, we watch the Thunder every night. We, uh, we see what we think is greatness, what we think is high quality. But when you read, uh, go around the NBA, the uh, the national analysts, they've almost just accepted the Thunder as a top four team in the West. Uh, the Thunder is, uh, is a team you can count on to be there uh, at the end of the regular season. So there seems to be no holes. I mean, they've got flaws, but there seems to be no holes in this, in this roster, in this uh, configuration of a team. So yeah, I think the Thunder going into, uh, into the Western Conference playoffs definitely should be in great shape for a first round. That'd be a massive. I think it'd take a massive, a massive slump for the Thunder to to not get there. You know, as we we taping this on a Monday morning, uh, they're embarking on a big four game um, road trip if, in Western Conference outlets. Uh, but right now, we've we talked about this was a tough. You know, this January's a tough stretch, but they're five and two in January already, and they've yeah. had three home games, so four road games and so they're they're two under par, so I would think you know it it's looking good so far, yeah, and remember we said you know seventeen games in the month of January, and I think you and I Barry agreed that you know nine and eight a winning record in those uh January games would be a really nice uh record to come out of January with with all the back to backs that are included in there, and already at five, you know that that puts them in a pretty good place for the rest of, uh, you know, 10 games that remain in January. So, you know, they're going to have losses. The NBA, you know, this isn't, this isn't a team and this isn't a time, frankly, for a team to, you know, rack up a huge number of, of victories. I just think in the West, it's too tough to think about teams winning, you know, some sort of historic number of games right now. Um, so you're going to have teams sort of in the, the, you know, range where the thunder is, where you're, um, you know, winners of 
uh, you know, six of your last 10 or, you know, the Thunder, I think, is uh, maybe eight of their last 10 or nine of their last 10, something along those lines. So those types of numbers are pretty rare in the West, but that's where the Thunder is right now. So I think, you know, are there going to be losses? Of course, that's going to happen. That's the way it is in the West when you've got to have this steady diet of, you know, the the T-Wolves and the Lakers and the Clippers and the Suns and suddenly resurgent Utah, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be games you're going to lose. That's going to happen. We saw them lose a couple on the road with that road swing earlier, but to continue to win at a really high clip and to beat teams that you're supposed to beat, to me, that's where you really start to see a difference. Um, you know, a lot of teams, uh, Barry, we've seen it over the years, teams that have come in and been really contending type teams, you know, we've seen them lose to the Thunder, especially last year. You saw teams come in, maybe not play guys, feel like they could win with uh, maybe without a star or two. And that's where you see losses. You know, I don't think the Thunder's in a mode right now where they're really going to rest guys a lot. They're so young. They don't necessarily need to think about that in terms of age. I'm sure they will from time to time have guys sit just to get that rest. But at this point, you're going to see a full complement of Thunder on the floor a lot of times. To me, Barry, that says that they are in a great spot to continue to win at a high level. And here we sit in January, mid-January, talking about home court advantage in the first round. Seems entirely possible to me. Yeah, and you know, the, uh, they are young, which means fewer injuries, less rest needed. Uh, it gives you an advantage in regular season record. But I was thinking about this on the Thunder. They're a little bit, they're not, they're not slump proof. Anybody can have a slump. But one thing about the Thunder offense, and the NBA has become an offensive league, much like the NFL and in the past MLB, but offense des- definitely has the advantage. The Thunder uh, was leading the league in three-point percentage. I haven't looked the last couple of days, so probably still are. But, you know, three-point shooting can come and go, even for the best of shooting teams. But the Thunder always has the ultimate security blanket in Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who does not shoot a ton of threes and does not rely on his threes for 31.5 points a game. Yeah. SGA scores at a remarkably efficient rate. I think he's made 50... Well, I looked it up uh, in the last five games. I think he's 55 of his last 87 shots. So he's, uh, you know, he's, there's two, there are two guards in the NBA shooting above 50%, and he's one of them by a wide margin over uh, anyone else. So when, when the three-point shooting is, goes haywire, which it did uh, a couple times in, recent week, in, in, in the recent week, SGA still there scoring at an efficient high clip. So the offense tends to hum no matter what happens. That portends well for a good record come April. Yeah. Hey, uh, we both alluded to this uh, already, but this upcoming road swing again in a tough January, you're going to have some some stretches like this. This week's road games include they're all uh, out west. Uh, Lakers Monday, Clippers Tuesday, Utah Thursday. And then heading back towards the east, but Minnesota still a uh, Western Conference opponent on Saturday. Barry, that's a that's four very very tough games. I mean, I again when we think about sort of this month and sort of bit by bit, the Thunder wins two of those games. I know as a as a watcher of the Thunder, I'd be feeling really good about that. What's your what's your sense of of uh, another tough road swing for the Thunder? Well, it's an interesting, you know the. 
Thunder's in the top four in the West. So they play two of the three on this road trip, the Clippers and the Timberwolves. Then they play maybe the league's hottest team, the Utah Jazz. You know, a few weeks ago, the Jazz looked like they were headed for a tankathon. Now they're in the play-in. They've, they passed the Warriors and the Lakers. Uh, they've got a very bright future, so nothing easy about that. And then the Lakers will be desperate. Last time uh, the Thunder played the Lakers, two or three weeks ago, the Lakers were desperate, came into Oklahoma City and beat the Thunder. So it's a, it's a rough road trip. The one good thing about the new uh, scheduling model for the uh, NBA is lots of Los Angeles trips for teams, and the Thunder's got one here. Uh, they've got a back-to-back, but they don't have to leave town to do it. Play the Lakers uh, on, I'm sorry, the Clippers on Monday night. Or the Cl- Lakers. Uh, Lakers Monday, Clippers Tuesday. Yeah, there you go. Lakers Monday, Clippers Tuesday. So, you know, you get to go back to the hotel and sleep late, whatever. So the, the wear and tear on the body is not as much. So that, that makes it a little bit easier. But uh, I'm with you. Two and two record on this on this four-game swing would be great for the Thunder and set them up to finish January strong. And frankly, after January, things tend to get easier for the Thunder schedule-wise. Their schedule has not been uh, uh, the most rugged in the NBA, but it's been pretty difficult. They're not, they have not been feasting on an easy schedule. Some teams have, the Clippers, the Sixers, some teams like that. Thunder is, The Thunder's easiest part of the schedule is still in front of it. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, it's going to be tough. And I, I think if you if you want to, uh, to to be in the best position, though, the thing I would switch on this is if I'm the Thunder, I would have liked to play the Clippers first and then the Lakers. Um, but there's zero doubt that what you said is right about the Lakers. Desperate for wins. They need to keep uh, getting wins wherever they can. And I'm sure they see, you know, even though the Thunder is way above them in the standings, you know, a team that uh, looks like it's, superior to the Lakers right now. I'm sure they're going to see this still as a chance to get a win. So try to take advantage of that. But, you know, I think this is, it's really going to be interesting to see um, how those two games play out in LA, but then obviously, you know, Utah with this surge that they're on and then Minnesota sort of in the similar trajectory as the Thunder in terms of young and really, you know, seeing that the, the, uh, the, the group take off, um, you know, there may be, they're, no, they're not, maybe they are older than the Thunder, obviously with Gobert and, you know, even their young guys are older than the Thunder's young guys, but a matchup like that on Saturday, it's going to be really, really interesting to see uh, those two teams go at each other every time. But obviously, um, you know, I think that's going to be a matchup that in the West is going to be worth monitoring, not only this year, but for years to come, just because these are a couple teams that I think are on very similar paths. Maybe, you know, makeup is different. The uh, style is different. Obviously, Minnesota's got two big guys with Gobert and Cat, and, and that's obviously a different look than what the Thunder's playing with. But, you know, you've got two teams that are really trying to vie for that superiority moving forward. I think that's always going to be a matchup that's worth watching beyond just in the moment. Like, what does this look like long term? How do these two teams uh, compare to each other? Um, Barry, you mentioned earlier, uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander continuing to play fantastically. um, Tied an NBA record for conventional three-point plays in a game with six on Saturday versus Orlando. And I think that speaks to some of what you were talking about a guy that doesn't have to shoot the three as a guard to score, 
And man, some of those, those finishes were extremely, extremely tough. Just continues to add to his uh, impressive season, it seems like. Yeah, you know what's interesting about SGA is, um, you know, strength-wise, he doesn't, he doesn't appear to be any kind of uh, physical specimen. I mean, if you look at him, he's still the same slender, thin guy. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure he's gotten stronger in his in his five years. He's now. Let's see. We're coming upon five years since the trade from the Clippers. Uh, four and a half years. He he looks bigger and he looks stronger, but it's not a massive. It's, it's not an extreme makeover. And yet, when he gets popped in the lane, he's able to finish and. Uh, has the dexterity and the skill to still get the ball up and uh, really uses the backboard well on a lot of those plays. Uh, not able to, you know, his typically soft shot is not not uh, conducive to to a play like that. So he just sort of muscles it off the backboard. It is remarkable and it is a great, great uh, skill in the modern NBA because the three-point play, three-point shot is so valuable and he's not great at it. And yet, here he is, probably the best guard in the NBA this season. There was some, you know, he, there there would be some Luka Doncic um, debates that would be valid, but SGA is probably the best guard in the NBA, without be, having the number one skill uh, in, in the league in in contemporary times. So that's I I kept counting those those uh, three point plays. And you could sense some frustration from the magic. <laughs> They're always getting mad at the calls, of course. But they kept, I think they kept thinking, What's he do? How, can, how can he still get a couple of those? It's remarkable that he even got a shot off. Right. Because he was, you know, he, he, was, he was getting knocked down or he's headed sideways. And just getting the, getting the ball above the rim was, uh, you know, a monumental task. So he's really something. I'll say that. It's a joy to watch him. He's, he's fun to watch. And, you know, I don't know about you, Jacko. What I like best about him is he doesn't force much of anything. Yeah. I mean, I, I sense some frustration in me sometimes saying, hey, SGA, the game has started. It's okay for you to shoot. Sometimes he's the last Thunder starter to take a shot. So um, it, his, his production, his points seems to come in the natural flow of the game, which I think is a wonderful, wonderful trait. Uh, I don't know if, if this, this sort of... Uh, Halcyon uh, attitude. These uh, this uh, seems almost a uh, nirvanic type situation is going to continue, but uh, for now, it's awfully fun to watch. Yeah, and you know, you, you you pair up what we're talking about with SGA not shooting a ton of threes as a guard, but then you pair up his ability to convert those conventional three-point plays, not just making tough shots, but then making free throws. He's an excellent three-point, or I'm sorry, an excellent three <laughs> free throw shooter. I can't even say it, but he's excellent from the free throw line. And so being able to convert those conventional three-point plays, you know, it's obviously not a three-point shot, but you get three points either way. And he got six of those and he gets at least, you know, three or four most games. So you think about you're not getting the three-point shots, but you're still getting three points on a, per, on a on a possession when he does that. So there's a little bit of a trade-off there that it, you know, and what you said is right, Barry, not, he's not going to take it if he doesn't feel like he can make the shot. So he's not, you know, if he's open from three, there's a good chance he's going to shoot it, but not necessarily. I think that he, he sort of has a, a really great sense of 
you know, is this the best shot for him in that moment? Is that the best shot for the team in the moment? And really taking advantage of that. Um, it's really been, you know, interesting to see his evolution and, you know, that that cool uh, demeanor that he has in all things that really seems to come out in that shot selection too. Um, you know, as we're talking about sort of his mastery of some of these things, I was thinking on, uh, on the other night when they're playing Orlando, you know, obviously that's a young team in Orlando, young team in Oklahoma City, a pretty decent matchup when you've got Bancaro, Paulo Bancaro, the, the number one overall pick two years ago, picked before Chad Holmgren. You know, a decent matchup came down to be a pretty close game, but that was a game, much like we've talked about it before, that Boston game a few weeks ago. So few OKC games are on national TV, so we're getting to see it. You know, Orlando fans got to see it the other day. Boston fans got to see it when the Celtics were in town. But nationally, that spotlight is not right now on the Thunder or SGA. You wrote about uh, his MVP chances probably being better than his all-star chances, but so few Thunder games playing nationally. Do you have any concern that that could be a hurt to, M uh, to SGA's MVP chances? It doesn't help. However, there are reasons to think it's not a, a, uh, a mortal wound. There are reasons to think it's not that big a deal. Here's a couple. The, uh, the NBA electorate, the guys who are voting, really come down to two different kinds of, of media people. One is your national writers, the guys who go uh, different cities, uh, follow trends, follow big stories. They're not following the Kings or the Grizzlies or the Hornets night after night after night. Those guys are incredibly learned about the NBA. Those guys have their pulse on the NBA. Those guys, they have league pass. Yeah. If, they, you know, if, if, if there's a national game, if the Celtics are playing the Thunder and it's not on na uh, national TV, they don't care. They're plugging in league pass and watching it. So I don't think uh, the other thing about those guys, they're very, very sharp about their sport. There are some sports, and sometime in the past, this was a problem. There are people where it's, it's been hard to follow the entire sport because of modern media. It's much easier. So these guys, they're pretty sharp about the NBA. If SGA is deserving, he will get every consideration. Yeah. Now, when you talk about the other uh, electric, the, the beat writers, the guys who follow one team, they're at a game not every other night but close to it. I mean, they cover basically 82 games. They don't have time to sit around. Well, yeah, Celtics, Thunder, it's too bad it wasn't on national TV, but they might be at their own game. They may yeah. be watching Indiana-Detroit. So, uh, you know, it, it, for, for fans, for national appeal, yeah, it hurts. Um, it's better to be on TNT so Charles and Kenny and the crew will talk about you. They're going to talk about you anyway, but they'll talk about you more if it's one of their games. But for the most part, the people doing the voting are set up pretty well to, to vote uh, the way they ought to without too much, I think, interference from national television no noise. More games on Thunder national television I'm all for. I don't think it's a big deal to SGA. Yeah, and honestly, the uh, and you also wrote about, uh, as I mentioned, the fact that you know SGA being an MVP, being the MVP, might be more possible than an All Star starter. 
frankly, the TV is probably more of an impact with those all-star um, votes. Yeah. You know, so much of the uh, of that is fans. It's not all. I don't even try to keep up with <laughs> with the formula anymore. But I know the fan voting is a big part of it. And so to have um, you know so few Thunder games be able to be seen you know, on the coast, uh, you know, where you've got huge fan bases, whether it's, you know, New York area, Miami, Chicago, uh, the West Coast, you know, they're just not getting a chance to see him as much fan wise as they would if, if they were playing more national TV games. But I do think, uh, you know, that MVP electorate, you know, it, I think a lot of it is going to come down to more about how the Thunder, uh, how successful is the Thunder? Do they continue to be a top four team in the West? Do they continue to win at the clip that they're winning? Does SGA continue to score uh, at, at the rate he is with the efficiency that he has has already established? If he can do those things and the Thunder can continue to win, I think he's going to be in the conversation. I don't know if he wins it or not, but you know, I think that he's in the conversation. And then it comes down to you know smaller details, whether it's him. Embiid, um, you know, on down the list of sort of the uh, normal cast of MVP characters, which he's definitely disrupting already. He's already in that conversation, which, you know, you couldn't you couldn't have said probably when the season started that he would be in the MVP conversation this season. I didn't think we'd be at this point. That's for sure. Of course, I didn't think the Thunder would be in the top four of the Western Conference either. So, hey, uh, real quick, Barry, before we get out of here. Which um, we talked about Orlando being in town last week. Um, closer game than maybe some expected. Feel like Orlando as I watch them, you know, they're they're rebuilding obviously like the Thunder is, but um, you know that they are clearly behind where the Thunder is. Um, as you think about other young teams, though, whether it's Orlando, San Antonio, Houston, Utah, teams in rebuild, do you feel like there's a team that could be the Thunder's biggest competition? As you think about young teams that are trying to get to a point where in a couple of years they really hit their prime, take off, um, start to really contend, whether in the West or the East. Is it an Orlando or, or is there somebody else that makes you think, ooh, that's the team probably going to be chasing after the Thunder here pretty soon? I'd probably say not Orlando simply because they're in the East. To, you know, the, if the Thunder ever really has to worry about Orlando, it would be in an NBA Finals. The chances yeah. of the Thunder and the Magic meeting in a Finals is pretty remote. Uh, it's hard to make the NBA Finals. It's hard for the team in the East to make the NBA Finals. The odds go way down that the two would actually meet sometime in the NBA Finals. Those other three you mentioned, very intriguing. Um, Houston's got a really good core, and they've got some players potentially with star power. Uh, so I think they've got a pretty bright future. They've, uh, you know, they've got a few potholes to think about, but they're not in bad shape for the future. Utah is a very bright future. Lots of draft capital. Uh, Laurie Markinen's a star. They're, they're playing over their head for the second straight year. But I'd probably pick the Spurs just because of Victor Wimbanyama. And San Antonio has a bunch of draft capital, too. San Antonio, there's already, you know, the talk is out there that they might be able to get DeJounte Murray back from Atlanta at pennies on the dollar. That's a, you know, that'd be a very Sam Presti slash San Antonio Spurs thing to do. Uh, get the same player and, and getting more for him than you had to give up. So uh, I think three years from now, I think Spurs are going to be a load because Vic. I think Victor Wimbanyama is is a difference making player, and uh, the Chet Holmgren Victor 
rivalry would be fantastic. Thunder looks much better shape going forward because of, you know, Santa Clara Williams and, and Holmgren and, and the entire crew of young players. But the Spurs, the Spurs we know can get good fast. If you ask me three years from now, who's going to be the big, the big rival in terms of uh, the blossoming team, I think it best chance San Antonio. And wouldn't that be fun going back to those 2012, 2014, 2016 Western Conference Finals, Alamo City against Oklahoma City. Uh, we had a lot of tough fun covering those games. Oklahoma had a lot of fun watching those games. Thunder had a lot of fun playing those games. And by the way, they won two of those three. So um, one of them was not the West Finals. One was the West Semifinals. But anyway, it just I, I think we could be headed for another rendition of the Spur-Thunder rivalry. Yeah, it seems entirely possible. It's interesting, though, to, to sort of lay out the young teams that are maybe starting to try to elevate, and so many in the West, and we know how tough it is to win in the West. Um, already, though, Oklahoma City is showing it can be done. Uh, you know, Houston making big strides this year, looking more like a team that is figuring out how to use its pieces. I think that's a an interesting team to watch as far as they seem like they had way more talent than they were showing a year ago obviously change coaches and you see a you know a huge surge in what they're able to do so um I'm impressed with them but yeah it's hard to it's hard to pick against San Antonio um and their track record of building you know contending teams and then they get a, a you know a, a player like Wimby it's uh you know it's set up to have another run at uh you know grandeur like they had with David Robinson and Tim Duncan and all that group so definitely worth watching uh We've already talked way more about Orlando than I thought we might bury, but Paulo, Paulo Bencaro being in town made me think about the, the fact that Orlando took him, left Chet Holmgren on the table so Oklahoma City could take him. Listen, I know Bencaro is good, and he, he, he was good here in Oklahoma City, but man, there's a, you, you, you think about the luck that got Kevin Durant with this franchise that he wasn't taken number one, fell to the then Sonics. Here's another one. You know, the Magic, they had their pick of the three at the top. It's working out pretty well that the Thunder got uh, got Chet Holmgren, but I, I thought a lot about that as the, the uh, Magic were out there the other night. Well, I, I will be disbarred because I'm going to be truthful. And I remember, you know, if you, if you remember, Jacko, that was basically a three-man draft at the top. Right. Right. Those two plus Jabari Smith down in Houston. I have to admit, I liked Jabari Smith the most. Me too. Um, so I uh, finished last in that. There were two <laughs> right answers and one wrong answer, and I got the wrong answer. Uh, is a wonderful player. He's doing great in Orlando. He's going to be a longtime all-star, just a wonderful player. I remember when the Thunder got Chet, they said, this is the guy we wanted. And I thought, well, that could be right, but you're just saying it. There's really no way of knowing because that's what you got to say when you when you get second pick. And then he gets hurt, and we don't get to say anything. And then he comes out, and he play, you know, he shows some things. And then about a month into the season, he started playing like we've been seeing him for two months, which is a difference maker on defense, a uh, a massive force on offense, a borderline all star as a rookie. And I thought of Sam Presti. I thought, you know what? I can't. Sam might have been telling the truth. That might be who they wanted. And here's what I like about Chet compared to Paolo Banchero. 
he's fitting the way the Thunder wants to play. Now, if you get Ben Caro on your team, you implement him, you change a little bit, it's going to go great. There's yeah. no bad, there's no wrong answer. But the way the Thunder wants to play, five out with a bunch of young, smallish, uh, or shortish, long arm defenders, quick, but you have a cornerstone shot blocker, rim protector in, in the middle. Um, it's just been a fantastic recipe. So it has been a blessing that out of those three, the one they landed with was, was Holmgren. Maybe that they were always going to get him. For all I know, the Thunder was going to take him at one. If they got, you know, nobody was going to take him at, else was going to take him at one, so he was going to go to the Thunder at two. If the Thunder had gotten three, they might still have gotten him at three. But it's been a wonderful thing. It just the implementation is so fantastic. But I do think you could implement uh, Benchero pretty good. He's, he's, a, he's a ball playing fool also. Yeah, just the the defense that Chet Holmgren has given Oklahoma City and the ability to play with the more athletic, smaller lineup. I mean, some of the defensive plays he's making now, I mean, if you take a second, step back and watch them, it's amazing stuff defensively. But he does it all so effortlessly. And frankly, he's starting to do it all the time with some of his recovery blocks and just the just the different things he's doing to, to defend guys. You lose sight of how remarkable it is, really. The ground he covers to get to the rim, uh, to block shots, blocked one in transition the other night that made me sit up in my chair, um, you know, because you just don't see that from, well, really from much of anyone. I mean, I'm sure it's out there to a degree, whether Wimbenyama starts to do it more. I mean, but those are the types of things that, you know, you just, you can't lose sight of how rare it is. Um, I know we probably say that throughout the shows about the Thunder, but having a guy like SGA and now having a guy like Chet Holmgren, you just sort of have to step back for a second and appreciate these guys are not in a league with guys that are massively impressive, uh, you know, physically, uh, skill-wise, all the things they can do. Those are two guys that take it to a different level and to not lose sight of just how fantastically talented they are uh, for the Thunder, even now as, as young guys really at the uh, earliest stages of their career. Well, that's all the time we've got this week to talk Thunder, but we've got all sorts of Thunder content at selloutcrowd.com, and you can find our columns, videos, podcasts there at selloutcrowd.com, as well as barrytrammell.com and jenny-carlson.com. And if you want our content at your fingertips, we got you covered. We have a new app. It's available for iPhone and Android, and you can download it today. If this happens to be your first time hearing or watching us, be sure to subscribe to our show on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.